In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bolkeman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast, episode three thirty-two. That's right. We're talking uh, Green Lanterns, Evil's Might, part one through part four. That is Green Lanterns fifty, fifty-one, fifty-two, and fifty-three. <laughs> four issues, because we're that far behind. <laughs> oh well, other stuff got in the way. Well, not in the way. <laughs> no, I think people understood, but the, the point is, yeah, we we felt the, we felt the need to catch up, and then what? This thing runs through what fifty seven. So Ooh, yeah, I so, think we, so. so we have it. So, I, well, I don't know. We'll have a decision to make. I probably would lean towards more doing two issues at a time, and because because we're not gonna. Let's be honest. Even though we we do have other things we want to do, we're not gonna have a whole lot of actual new material to cover between now and November. So we might as well split this up. Split those up into two episodes. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, speaking of next episode, that's going to be commentary, right? Oh, that's what if, we're yeah, if you're if you're up if you're up for it, yeah, that, that'd be that'd be a nice, easy, relaxing, fun one. Especially, make sure you listen to the actual commentary track if you haven't before we do uh, it because it, because it's quite it's actually one of those good commentary tracks to give you some insight. A lot of which has our head already leaked out, mind you, so there aren't that many shocking revelations in it. But it's but it's still a good commentary track as a well it also it also came the digital copy also came with a uh an exclusive thing with the uh with various directors of the uh of the mcu by the way guys what we're talking about here <laughs> next episode we'll be doing a, an avengers infinity war commentary track because that dark is now world it's thor dark world <laughs> <laughs> But uh, what could have been? <laughs> so now that that's out, not just on digital, but on on Blu-ray and DVD, uh, we'll be next issue, next episode, we'll be doing a, a commentary track on that. I mean, it's the biggest movie of the year. We <laughs> and we've done commentary tracks for less than that, so <laughs> of course we're going to do that. But uh, just just as an FYI, in case either a you planned on buying it and just haven't yet, uh, that, there's your excuse to go out and grab it. And also, if you haven't seen it yet, you'll know you can wait on next episode. So just wanted to get that out there now. Uh, but uh, turning our attention back back to this, um, we got Evil's Might Part 1, 2, 3, and 4. I'm taking Part 1 and Part 3, and Mark will take Part 2 and Part 4. Uh, I guess we'll just launch straight in with the uh, exercise anniversary issue, huh? It's so exercise, it barely feels exercise in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many? Pa- I mean, how many extra pages is this? It can't be much. Maybe I'm not sure. There mu- maybe there's fewer. Maybe there's just fewer ads in it. But it can't. Since they barely number pages and almost never number pages anymore. Well, it lurks within the power battery. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, creative teams, I'm not seeing. Oh, here we go. Writer Dan Jurgens, artist Mike Perkins, colorist Andy Troy, and Pete. Pantazis, letterer Dave Sharp, cover Mike Perkins with Will Quintana, variant cover Chris Stevens, associate editor Jessica Chen, and editor Brian Cunningham. Jessica's new, right? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, We open up on MoGo, where one of the Guardians is in deep meditation, reaching uh, out into space, as well as in time. Uh, and then he senses it's, it's an anomaly, it's impossible, it's him. And then we flash over to John Stewart, who uh, comes upon the wreckage of a ship, 
the ring does an analysis and says there's a few things it doesn't know, but what it does know is the ship's fuel cells are heavily and heavy weapons batteries are drained. Plasma blast breached the hull and killed everybody on board. He asks who I, who did this. The ring doesn't know. This one he suddenly attacked, and he says, uh, the, the ring says, based on everything I'm seeing, the threat should be quite manageable. Then a warp portal opens and outspills a shit ton of ships. Um, John says, <laughs> you say this is manageable? He says, well, it's either not who I suspected or they've gotten a significant upgrade since the last time you guys encountered them. Um, he sees starfighters. He goes about, he's about ready to attack them. Then from behind, he gets grabbed by the neck, and you are not of the us, not of the effort, not of the direction, not of the destination. And John says, alert the guardians. And then the rings responds, lantern Stewart reports threat resolved, status secure. <laughs> Meanwhile, in 2814 on the planet Nadeshi, Nadesi? Nadesi. Uh, Nadesi. Uh, Gardner and Kilowog are approaching kind of like a old lady seer. She's telling them she doesn't know what's coming, uh, it's, but something's coming and you should be scared. It could be related to the source wall being breached or something worse. Who knows? Uh, then from behind them, they're approached by someone who says that they have encountered the threat. Uh, Lakal, Slayer of the Gods. He collapses and dies right before them. Uh, or eh, passes out. Yeah, he's he's, uh, he's hanging on by a thread. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they take him to the nearest uh, medical facility uh, on the planet, and they get a message that the Guardians request they assist in locating Lantern Stewart, who is un- unaccounted for. Meanwhile, over on Earth, um, uh, Jessica and her sister are out at a club dancing when Baz and Rainer show, show up to encroach on all the fun and say it's time for some training. Uh, so they charge up, they head out into space uh, and towards Mogo, uh, or they're actually rather they're, they're training. Um, meanwhile, over on Mogo, the guardians are conferring. They've sensed something, something ominous. Uh, what about Kadasal? Why hasn't he responded? Summon Lantern Stewart. We can't. We can't contact him. What about Jordan? We can't. He's not responding. Uh, and find another. Lantern Rainer's on the move. I'll summon him. In the meantime, find Stuart. John uh, is chiding his ring, saying, you, you sent the wrong message. It's like a misunderstanding. Uh, what about the guy who attacked us? Where is he? I don't know. Uh, uh, so he's... Based on, based on what my scans have, he's an energy-based life form, which he can discharge at will, may carry the collected intellects of multiple beings. He's fighting with them. He names himself as Eon. He grows in size. He starts shooting at John. John tries to break, he tries to break his shield. John armors up, flies at him, and then uh, Eon uh, unleashes some sort of energy-like tractor beams at him. Uh He's, uh, he try, He says the John says the alert. Send it, and the ring responds, "No." Uh, over on Mogo, uh, Rainer, Baz, and Jessica arrive, and Mogo is under siege, not by any sort of uh, beings, but a massive storm. And by massive, we mean, according to something Rainer says later, he's never seen a storm on Earth like it. Uh, this is not just a gentle rainfall. This is like hurricane level storm. Uh, so much so that one of the buildings starts crumbling and collapsing. Various people are sent to either evacuate or um, check in on uh, personnel, so on and so forth. Uh, uh, Stuart, uh, not, not Stuart, Gardner and Kilowog come upon Stuart, who's barely clinging to life. They grab him and fly to Mogo as quickly as possible. Uh, while everyone's trying to shore up the damages, uh, he says that, you know, I'm starting to wonder if this is uh, truly a natural event. If so, you think Mogo himself could get control of it. There may be more to this than what we're seeing. Hanu says, I hate using my ring, but it's the only way to keep these buildings up. Sora. I was, gonna, says, I was just going to say that. I mean I, I mean, I noticed that the first time I read it, but I didn't think too much of it until because we hadn't read the end of Hal in the, in the core yet. So I thought maybe she showed up. <laughs> Ceranic Natu 
currently leader of the Sinestro Corps, but somehow wearing a green ring and in a green suit, says Thava better have the med, the med chamber well stocked. Um, they asked about Baz. Well, speaking of him, I haven't seen him in a while. Another building goes. They try to shore it up. Uh, you know, she scans for life forms correction, uh, two life forms correction. One, uh, she, she goes in and she says, just one, are you saying we lost one of our own? And she says, my God. And Baz is cradling the body of a guardian with a piece of shrapnel or building or something through him. So they got here too late, the explosion and everything else, he's dead. And she says, how? And the ring says, scan suggests otherwise Jessica Katastal was murdered. You must not trust Lantern Baz or anyone else for that matter. And next, The Devil Within. Nice F up on the Sora. (laughs) Yeah. Guess what, Jessica Chen? You're fired! (laughs) (laughs) We need a scapegoat and it's you. I wonder. I wonder either a if someone missed it because they just didn't know, uh, or if someone missed it, or, or or rather if someone saw it, but by the time they saw it, it was too late to get an artist correction on that. It even brought back her old school cleavage. <laughs> even though, to be fair, I guess it could. Even though, if if she hadn't said that stupid med chamber line, you could have made a case it was some it was somebody else because at least color color wise, it's not. It's not Sora. No, but she's the only lantern we know with that design, that skin color, that haircut, that, that you know, all the Those above. Those boobs! Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I think it looks more like an F-up than a non-F-up. I'm just trying to look on the – trying to look at, be a cockeyed optimist and say, well, maybe. <laughs> uh, what do you think otherwise? As a setup issue, it was – I'd say it's somewhat interesting. I, I like the stuff on Mogo more. That's the stuff that intrigued me. I didn't really care about the whole Eon thing. Eon, Ion, Ion, Eon. <laughs> which uh, which reminds me of uh, Eon. What's it, well, he was the he was the bad guy in one of the Christmas claymation ones, right? The big vulture. I think so. Yeah the the the, the baby New Year one. Yeah, that could be right, but it's just it yeah. is, but we're you know it's it's just too bad. It's like we have Eon. If we if only Ion was still around, it'd just be perfect, you know, Eon, Ion. But nonetheless, <laughs> but the stuff in space, the stuff in space didn't really do much for me. I really didn't care about that stuff. The stuff related to Mogo and the weather and what and what and the communication with the rings and the guardians being and the guardians for, see, seemingly being really in, in, incompetent at guardianing. <laughs> <laughs> that I kind of like that part. Not that it should shock us anymore, because they are mostly incompetent in general these days. Some people would say that you know that has definitely not been a step in the right direction um, since for how, however long it's been going on. But still, it's not a surprise now when Guardians don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> but I mean, the ending was cool. The, the big you know we kind of I think knew this was coming, but but it was kind of a it was a cool reveal though. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wish uh, that the death of a guardian had more weight. Um, I mean, I kind of feel it, it's it's become like a, a thing to do now. To it's all, uh, you know how like women are in refrigerators as they keep killing a you know a female lead to further the uh, or a female uh, character to further a male character's story, and that's the only purpose that that individual serves. Well, this is almost a similar thing, not not along the sexism, sexism angle, of course, but like more along the lines of, you know, a guardian dying used to mean something, and now it almost seems like they do it just to show the stakes of whatever story they're trying to tell. Right. Uh, so it almost feels like it didn't mean quite as much. Um, I mean, hell, even when a Guardian died in the past, that used to be like a key to Necron's dimension is about to open up because an immortal just died. Uh, so, I mean, with stuff like that, it's just, it just feels like a Guardian death should have more weight to it, but whatever. But I agree with you otherwise. I mean, it's, it's, it's a setup issue. Uh, you don't know much about the threat yet. You don't know much about what's exactly happening. There's still a lot of mystery surrounding most, most every aspect of this, so it's sort of hard to to comment on it much, I guess. Yeah, it was okay. 
Yeah. All right. Well, want to take the next one? No, but I but I said I would. No. <laughs> what are you kidding? Hey, you chose these. I two know issues. I did. I I I chose these just I. The the one I really wanted was fifty three, and I and I didn't want to stick you with two issues back to back to do the middle one. So that's that's the main reason I picked. Not that this issue is bad by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, but nonetheless. So issue fifty one. You know, I have the a guardian has been murdered by a traitor in their midst. That's the cover I have. So Evil's Mike Part Two, pretty much I think it's the same group from, as Part One. Dan Jurgens, Mike Perkins, Hi-Fi, Dave Sharp, Mike Perkins, but Will Quintana. That's a slightly different, I think, with the cover. Chris Stevens, the variant. Jessica Chen, the assistant editor, and Brian Cunningham, the editor. So we pick up here in Space Sector 1355 with Penelops. Pen Penelops. Penelope. Damn it. I was so close. I was working on this. Uh, like Penelope, but Penelope. But that's not, that's not as easy to remember. I'm not as it's easy to remember it conceptually, but when it comes to actually doing it, I have a problem with it. Penelope. Penelope. Yeah, it's not gonna work. I'm just gonna call him Pen. <laughs> I'll call him, I'll call him Penna or Lops. Lops is better. Let's just call him Lops. Um, I like his little oath related to the water. That's cool. You can read that? Yeah, in brightest light, in darkest sea, all dangers will be seen by me. While others from these dangers flee, uh, I shall always a Green Lantern be. Obviously, the water's boil is not part of his oath. <laughs> <laughs> but Lops' planet is under siege by pretty much all these uh, knockoff uh, colonial Battlestar looking like things that we saw in, that John Stewart encountered last issue. They're attacking his planet. They're drilling into the basically the the uh, ocean's floor, as we're going to find out. And they're taking out minerals and all this other stuff. But in the process, yes, they're completely they're boiling the water and they're releasing so many toxins into the water that this the planet's going to be pretty much inhabitable by the by the time this whole situation is done. So Lops jumps into action here. He he, he tries to do what he can to to. Uh, allow some of his people to escape as he tries to he takes on Eon pretty much to try to buy them some time uh, needless to say this does not go very well we kind of get more or less variation in the same theme of what Eon said to John Stewart last issue we are Eon you are not one you are not of the one you interfere you must be removed let the fiery waters of death wash you away I can imagine that being like in some uh, kung fu movie <laughs> with, bad, with bad lip syncing I can just imagine that and with that, pretty much, uh, Lops is, meets his fate. Back on Mogo, Kyle, Jessica, and Simon. And this is a cool panel uh, when they're carrying uh, – what's his face back? John. No, that's not John. Oh, 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 Kata Sal. Saul, yeah. When they're carrying uh, Saul back uh, to the med bay for Thaba, which is the, you know, which is the doctor, much like uh, Salak over there. Or oh, as we as we found out in our last episode, it was supposed to be Salak's ex ex paramour. <laughs> that Thava, you know, is dealing with tons of other injured lanterns, and of course everything has to stop it literally on a dime because now he realizes he's got to, he's got to treat a, a guardian. And some of the better artwork is like the close-ups on Jessica, I think, in this in this issue. Uh, Kyle too, a real close-up, but for whatever work reason, Perkins draws Jessica well. Some of the other things are shakier, but he draws Jessica well. So while while they're examined, uh, Saul's being examined, kind of Saul, Jessica's kind of like thinking, and I like the way she's drawn, the way she's kind of pondering all this, and her ring is talking to her. Now is the only time the ins information is for you and I alone. Because pretty much, just again, continuing the theme of, you know, don't trust anybody, things are not what they seem, and it kind of gets... Uh, more or less, don't don't tell anybody about this too. Like we said, this is just between the ring and uh, the ring and you, Jessica. At this point, uh, kind of saw flatlines, and he's dead. I'm not sure if I really believe the little tears from Thava. I'm not sure if they were that tied to the Guardians. They have that much of a relationship, even though even though maybe it's symbolically what the Guardians are supposed to represent. But I like the whole uh, di you know, word bubble. Dialogue bubbleless uh, splash page, just seeing everybody's reaction to uh, the flatline guardian. Uh, the rest of the guardians show up now, saying, you know, like I enlist the savior protocol, 
And it's like I did. Even that was was not enough. And they're all all the guardians are trying to. Uh, Raimi's kind of like you know a guardian cannot die this easily. They're all kind of like trying to figure out what exactly is going on. Kyle, you know, Kyle Kyle reacts to the way Thaver describes you know the way the what the injuries look like about how it was a, basically it was like some kind of organic implosion, which I like that. And Kyle says, "Say it. It's, it's, it's it was murder." And Jessica's kind of like, that means someone else had to be here, right? And, of course, Jessica's ring is like, quiet, Jessica. This is a dangerous situation. <laughs> uh, just right on cue, John and uh, John's brought in by Guy and Kilowog. John's pretty much almost in as bad a shape as Katasal. Not uh, quite as bad, but more or less out with the old, in with the new as far as you know, cr- critically injured Green Lantern members or core members on one shape way shape or form now john stewart's getting the you know getting the focal point they kind of they when john kilowog and guy you know realize you know what they walked into and see the dead guardian and i don't i don't know if i really buy you know simon baz's assessment not because he's wrong but just that he, he's the one who comes up with a great dis- conclusion from the books of things i'd say someone has launched an all-out assault on the core <laughs> like okay uh so John Stewart gets worked on. Um, John, uh, excuse me, Simon, Kilowog, Jessica, Guy, and Kyle, kind of like go, pretty much go off to uh, to deal with all the storms that are increasing on Mogo because now things are becoming, as we kind of saw at the end of last issue, things are getting critical now because whatever, probably like her, like a like a level five hurricane plus at this point because. Pretty much everything structurally is starting to uh, be compromised. So they all kind of, you know. Meanwhile, at this point, Jessica's ring still keeps feeding her stuff about, oh, you shouldn't trust anybody, and I wouldn't lie, and it's like blah 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 blah. You know, it's like uh, they put all these all those lanterns pretty much pool their energy together, and they and they make one giant pretty much bubble over the heart of Mogo. You know the the Green Lantern Citadel Capital Central Power Central Power Battery that part of Mogo, which tangible bu- bubble. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, so it's a, it's a solid construct. It, oh, they, yeah. Nobody nobody's working to keep it up. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It, it is a it is a theoretical it is a <laughs> how, how should we put this? It's a temporary permanent construct. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, they, once they, once they achieve it, it's like it's not like Kyle with uh, Orion's heart there. It's not like he's working seemingly overtime to keep it going. Um, at this point, we also find out that the Guardians are having trouble basically communicating with anybody not on Mogo, which is not a good sign. That, the, that their ability is being jammed, and it's like uh, they can't they can't figure out what's going on. At this point. Uh, which is kind of funny that it just comes like shooting right through, I guess, that dome. Like it didn't have a problem. Uh, but Lops's ring shows up, so they pretty much realize that he that he that he's a goner, and they they start heading out. They start heading out into space to uh, find out what exactly happened there. We see, you know, uh, Penelo is being attacked, being by the by those ships. And they're being drained of energy, and you know all the re- remaining survivors from the first wave of the attacks are going to be dead soon. Jessica Fine lops his body and what's left to him, and it's, it's, it is kind of sad. <laughs> all his tentacles pretty much are, are ripped off and everything, and and Jessica seems really touched by this, and I think that's what makes it makes it effective. Uh, at this point, Jess, you know, Jessica and Simon, you know, they, they really are determined to try to save as many people as possible. Uh, and they and they are starting to put you know put the kind of put the dots t- together. It's like uh, even though it doesn't seem on the surface how it could be connected because somebody would have to be really really powerful to do it. It kind of is a little too hard of, of a coincidence to just think that's all it is. Back on Mogo, the Guardians are meeting and and this this is a this to me this was a little heavy handed. That Ganth is kind of like when he's standing next to the central power bar- battery. To him anyway, he thought he heard a voice that said "You're beaten," and all of a sudden, at this point, the dome starts fracturing and we do see uh, the other Green Lanterns, not the ones who created the dome, but it looks like it looks like uh, yeah, pretty much all a lot of the other B tier Lanterns are trying to support it, but it gives way. 
and cracks, and it's like, next issue, The Ruins of Despair! Uh, I liked it. Some t- the touching moments on uh, on Penelope when they uh, go down and it's, uh, you know, sort of <laughs> just sort of like a, almost a, a, a quiet moment, uh, even though Jessica doesn't know Penelope's super well or anything. Uh, that was cool. I like the, the a lot of the art, especially in the rain, looks really cool. Um, the, the tangible, uh, construct is cool to see that being used. Um, and it's, it's cool that it takes quite, you know, the, the consistency is there that it takes quite a bit of effort to do the fact that, you know, it's a massive bubble, but still it takes the same strain on like all of the lanterns attempting to do it together. I like that, that idea too, that not just an individual lantern can create a permanent construct with enough focus and will, but if they all focus on the same thing and creating the same construct together, they can also do the same thing in a cooperative fashion. That's kind of cool. Um, the various reactions to the idea of a dead uh, guardian, uh, I mean, it gives it a bit more weight, obviously. They, they tried to to make it seem like this super rare thing, not possible. So, you know, uh, what Raimi says, you know, everybody's reacting, it's murder and all that other stuff. So that was cool. And um, I, I forgot Thava had a ring, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of I did too. So. But yeah, otherwise, uh, I don't know. What do you think? I, li- I did like it. I'm, I'm kind of glad that they didn't spend... I like this issue more because, again, most of it was on Mogo. The majority mm-hmm. of it was on Mogo, and that and the stuff and the stuff that's going on with the Guardians and Mogo and the core. That's the stuff that intrigues me and more, like I said, than the other. Than maybe that's probably why I gravitated towards uh, fifty-one and fifty-three more than fifty-two and fifty. Uh, but it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, it's. I was through four issues. I would. I mean, I kind of think it's a little slower than I I would have liked for for Jurgens. Maybe he's designed that way on purpose because it's probably safe to say going into this arc, he kind of knew that it was just – that's all he – regardless of what happens with another – if there's if we assume there will be another Green Lantern book announced at some point and whether he's on it or not, we, he kind of knew his run on this book was probably going to be this one arc. So maybe maybe that's why it was kind of structured the way it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's, that's sort of all I feel about it. Uh, it it – it, it sort of takes time to somewhat advance the plot a little bit, but also sort of deal with the ramifications of the death of a lantern and the death of a guardian and, and so on and so forth. So I kind of like that it's a it's a bit of a beat issue. Yeah, man. Let's take yeah let's let's take a beat and just deal with what what's what has happened in the prior issues. So that's kind of cool. All right, 52? 52. All right, 52. Uh, who killed a Guardian of the Universe? I'll be honest, I don't like this cover. It's the main a, cover. It's an odd cover with Hal squatting like that. Yeah. But, the big, but I do like the blood question mark, though. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Where's the... All right, Evil's Might, Part 3. Uh, writer Dan Jurgens, artist Marco Santucci, colorist High Five, letterer Dave Sharp, cover Mike Perkins with High Five, variant cover Chris Stevens, associate editor Jessica Chen, and editor Brian Cunningham. Uh, we open up with a voice in the dark, red eyes, white teeth. There are thousands of them, these Green Lanterns. Each and every one of them is a fool. An entire core of self-appointed, self-important authoritarians who deem themselves superior to the rest of us. In reality, their only attributes are their green finger trinkets. They are devoid of natural powers, did nothing to earn their weaponry, which is why they have no chance against me. And this is all all happening as this voice, uh, as this image is being slowly zoomed out and it's coming from inside one of uh inside simon's ring um we pick up where we left off with jessica simon and kyle still fighting this battle against the um the ravagers uh and somehow guy and kilowog have joined the fray 
in, in the moment since the last issue, although in last issue they made a point of telling us that Guy and Kilowog remained behind on Mogo to help out. So a little bit of inconsistency there, maybe. Or we're just to assume that they called for some reinforcements and Guy and Kilowog showed up. Who knows? Anyways... The attack is not going well, and Guy sends a communication to everybody. Uh, he says, all of you follow me and position yourselves in a holding pattern around the ship, pattern 7. Everybody's hearing the same message, except for Baz, who hears, and position yourselves to attack without mercy. Um, stay close to the cruis- uh, the cruisers. The fighters will hesitate to shoot uh, for fear of hitting their bosses. Um and they all line up to follow his orders, and he says, listen up, I'm positioned, maintain formation, stay back, and let them have it from a distance, and Baz here is maintain formation, storm the gates, and give it everything you've got. So, of course, he launches into the ships, uh, everything blaring, and flies straight in while everyone else shoots from afar. Gardner sees it as he's disobeying orders. Meanwhile, over on... Mogo, the Guardians are still reeling from how the uh, Katasal is dead and how the Lantern Stewart's ring should have protected him better. Thava just says, get the hell out of here. You're messing with my concentration. <laughs> Which I think he's been saying for three issues now, or two issues now, in, ver- in various ways to everybody, but nobody seems to do it. <laughs> get out! Get out! No! Uh, and uh, evidently, uh, every... Uh, he, uh, the Guardians say everything's catastrophic. Uh, Katasal said before he died that he was expressing a feeling of unease, as did we all. The attacks on Saul, so Stuart, and the entire planet are connected. We should summon the entire core. I've tried, but there's some interference. Then the battery sort of fizzles, uh, and it won't respond to them. Uh, and she's like, well, if we require help, where will it come from? Meanwhile, over in Space Sector 66 on an uncharted planet, Hal's taking it easy. <laughs> Just kind of kicking back. No, uh, no uh, beautiful women on his arms, apparently. So well, he just sort of. Well, obviously this was on his way back from Carol, so 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 he probably already got some on the way up, and now he's relaxing, <laughs> carefree. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, you know, after the dark stars, the complication is need. I don't normally kick back like this, but Cruz and Baz are at the point where they should be able to cover Earth. Lanterns, Cruz and Baz are not on Earth. <laughs> where are they? I'm unable to locate them. I've lost contact with all Lanterns, as well as the Guardians. And I was like, everyone? Uh, Your last contact, who, where, why? A distant garbled message from Gardner, too many dead, Ravagers, annihilating, Enelops. He said, Ravagers? I remember them from years ago, tough but hardly insurmountable. They should have been able to take care of him. He flies off to help. Uh, Everybody's freaking out uh, uh, outside of the... Uh, ships blaming Baz on what he did. The suddenly Aeon or Eon shows up to fight them. Uh, he's having uh, they're having issues fighting him while Baz inside the ships is going up against the Ravagers alone. Uh, then uh, Hal shows up and Jessica has to tell him right away that Penelope's is dead. He says, "You know what, guy? Take care of Eon. I'm going to go down and take care of the Ravagers." Simon is under a psionic attack. He puts a helmet on and says, uh, uh, you mentioned distressing news. The ring says an urgent message from the Guardians. More lanterns are on their way, but they are not to be trusted. None of them. The ranks have been compromised. There is a traitor in our midst. Our most uh, suspect lantern is Lantern Cruz. You don't have to trust her, Jordan, or anyone until the traitor is identified. The Guardians have another more immediate mission for you, Lantern Bass, one that dwarfs everything else. I was like, I need to hear that myself. Put me in touch with Ganthet. Unable to comply. Communications are down. Hal flies in. Or, sorry, Jessica and Hal fly in. Jessica tries to say, uh, you know, why did you disobey an order? And he's like, are you messing with me? And their rings are speaking to them each individually privately about how they can't trust the other. And that puts them both on edge. And they're both paranoid. Simon flies away to uh, to uh, take care of this order, the supposed direct order from the Guardians. 
Leaving sin goes against everything I stand for. Rings is understood, but you are needed on earth. And then this uh, red-eyed message comes back, uh, speaking to, assuming us. They have no idea what they're up against or whom, but they will, provided they live long enough. And next, enemy revealed. Did yours have a uh, nice little tribute to Steve Ditko? Yep. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I like the way that looks. I see the Hawk and Dove thing, which is actually interesting because they recently came out with the Hawk and Dove, the Silver Age trade paperback. Um, so that's kind of cool. I'd actually, Hawk and Dove famously are sort of shitty characters or, or deal, the stories aren't really that compelling. But the OG, OG Silver Age first, first stories, I was like, man, I got to have that. So I, I bought that a little while back. And it's interesting because they put out some like Blue Beetle stuff. I'm wondering if, I mean, this is this is uh, Ditko was an amazing creator, and obviously he commu- committed a lot more to the industry than just the DC stuff. Um, but I'm wondering if, as a result of him dying, we're going to get some more uh, content because uh, it, and, and, and this is going to sound totally selfish, and it, it definitely is. I would love to see some more question stuff on the market. Seeing the question here is kind of cool. Oh, Ditko. I actually, it's funny. I always think, besides all the Spider-Man stuff, but what reminded me, what this reminded me of, the spread, besides the Creeper, because I do remember when I do like the Creeper. But it kind of, one of your, even though you only like the Spider-Man version of Captain Universe, I just remember Captain Universe. And even though he did not draw Captain Universe first, because that was in the Micronauts, but when they did the first, when they first started the idea of that, of that anybody could be Captain Universe. They had that. I forget what the hell that. I think it was Marvel Spotlight. I think that might have been what the book was titled at the point. But the first like solo appearance of, of Captain Universe, which was the same guy, uh, I think Steve Coffin, or unless that was the kid's name. But either way, Coffin, the guy who was Captain Universe to fight Baron Carter and the Micronauts. Uh, it was his his son actually ended up, I think, being Captain Universe in the first in that Marvel Spotlight. And I'm pretty sure that was Dit- Ditko was the one who drew that. Yeah, a few years ago, Marvel actually came out with one of those like nine ninety nine issues that was like a, it was like uh, almost like one of one of the, what you know how DC recently redid the hundred page spectaculars. Yes, for a brief time, it was almost like that in terms of like the sheer size of the issue, but it was bound like a regular comic. But it collected a lot of Captain Universe stories, and I bought that because they also did the same thing I think with. Um, some old night nurse stories and I had gotten that as well, but they definitely put out something within the past five to seven years or so. Uh, just like a hundred, almost like a hundred page spectacular issue collecting a bunch of captain universe appearances. Was, was the Bruce Banner Hulk one in that? Uh, it's been so long since I read it. I honestly don't know. I definitely have the issue, but you know, which long box it's in. <laughs> I, know we've talk, I know it's a brief tangent. I know we've talked about that issue, but that was, that was pretty cool though. Now, the, conce- the concept behind that was cool. How they needed to stop that nuclear, that basically that renegade nuclear missile from being launched, and and Captain and the Captain Universe power basically basically splits B- Bruce Banner and the Hulk into two per- two separate beings because they need kept the universe, the unipower there needed the Bruce Banner part to be able to do what needed to be done, and the Hulk was going to be in the way and. And you know, so he had to basically Captain Universe Banner had to fight, you know had to fight the Hulk in order to prevent that nuclear missile from going off. Before, of course, they ended up being merged back together when the job was done. But I, yeah, I have that I had that issue somewhere, but that, I, that was pretty memorable, especially because again, being a big Micronauts guy, obviously I had complete you know I had total. It, it wasn't a foreign concept of you know who that character or what that power was. At that point, they'd already firmly established what that char- what the ability was, and how that you know the the unipower there could find more or less find anybody in there in a moment of in whoever was needed in in a given situation that that the, that part of the Enigma Force would find that character and give them the power of Captain Universe. So, yeah, I'm always down for Captain yeah, Universe. Yeah, yeah, I am too. <clears throat> All right, what do you think of this issue? I enjoyed it. I'm glad they finally got Hal back into it because we never really got a much of an explanation for where Hal was. I mean, you still don't get a great explanation for why he's where he is. <laughs> but uh, I do. I do like the fact that you know Hal shows up and he gets pissed finding out what happened. Uh, you know, to Lopes there, and then uh, 
He just says, Guy, Eon is yours. <laughs> what you get is a pretty big compliment to, to where, where Guy is in the food chain these days, that he has confidence that Guy can handle this. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's also a tr- kind of tribute to, to Hal, too, because, like, he's almost immediately able to tell that Eon, is, while powerful, is nothing but a lackey. And so are the Ravagers, but it doesn't matter. The Ravagers are the one who killed right. and, and carried out the attack. You know, Eon may be working for somebody and gave the order there on site, but, I mean, he's not the real, he, you know, <laughs> he, he may be powerful, but he's also just one guy working for one other guy, supposedly. But the Ravagers are something that he can deal with instead of this unknown entity. Plus, they're an army who's been upgraded. So if he just takes them out of the picture right now out of sheer anger and revenge, then he's definitely uh, struck, struck a serious blow to the, to the powers that be behind this whole thing. And this happens within moments of hearing, you know, <laughs> you know he, he just assesses the situation right away. Yes, I mean it's good. It's good characterization of Hal. It's, it's good. Char- it's good. Uh, mo- I mean, most to be fair, most of the la- most of the lanterns in this arc, the, the ones they focus in on, I think are characterized and done pretty well. I think they're given their due. I mean, Simon is always shaky in general, but I mean, Simon, based on the information that he has and has the way he's being, you know, misled, you can't blame Simon really. Uh, but got, you know, guys acting like guy and like Jessica's being portrayed well. You know, like we said, Hal's and John too. Even though obviously John, John, John was a uh, KO'd pretty quickly, but and and from the sense of the arc, but John, you know, but John was still acting like John. So I think that's I think that's a good testament to to, to Jurgens overall, too. Yeah, I like uh, I like the art in this one uh, for the most part. It's you know it's one of the thing I like about it is on the other issues when they're in space it's mostly against the blackness and it always sort of looks weird in this case they're up against like they're outside the atmosphere of a planet they're all shooting weapons and energy blasts so there's that light source so I mean there's and the constructs are going crazy the ships are leaving energy trails so all the light and various color behind them as opposed to the blackness of space makes it look so much cooler yes. I was just saying, and in general, I like the artwork in in the last two issues more than the first two. Even though they both have their they both have their pluses and they both have their minuses, but I but I do prefer overall. I think something about the artwork in the last two issues that we're covering, fifty two and fifty three, I like a little better than uh, Perkins in the first two. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I would ask about the, our first reveal of this uh, character, uh, but assume since he's fully revealed at the end of your issue, maybe we should just uh, skip that and go straight into yours. Unless you have something else to say about this issue. Fine. No, I'm good. <laughs> we, can, we can go right into it. All right, go for it. All right, so Gre- Green Lanterns 53, Evil's Might Part 4. This, I believe, is the same exact... Um, creative team the, the little superman uh Jer- siegel and schuster blurb like, that ki- that kind of is a little bit of a, a giveaway though <laughs> kind of mm. they that might this so this issue might have been better off with a title page at you know with the credit page being at the end just saying well well <laughs> that combined with writer dan jurgens <laughs> Well, well, yes, but it didn't have to. But it didn't have to go this way. It just it made. But it makes it. But it makes perfect sense that it went this way. And I'm not complaining. I know some people have. Some people have complained that because he they have they accuse him of going to to that well, you know, too too often, which I don't have a problem with because during the entire New Fifty Two, this character really didn't exist. <laughs> So the fact that well, before we go too far, you should probably review it and then tell no, us who I know. it is. I'm, 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 I'm just teasing enough. I'm not going to just blurb out. I'm not going to ruin the end. Uh, so back, so Simon Baz is getting is arriving on sector you know, two eight one four. He's still trying to figure out. You know, I don't care what you or the guardians say. Deserting my friends when they're in the fight of their lives is not an option. It's like I'm going back, and of course the ring keeps talking him out of it, saying, you know, it's like a. However, however, Earth's need for you is dire. You know, resume your original flight path. 
You know, the core, you know, the core, they may be corrupted by a traitor. You are their only hope. The need for you there is critical. You know, the you must follow orders and resume course. All this to get him to go to Earth, which, of course, he ends up doing. Back in Sector 1355, in the, you know, the Ravagers' flagship there, Jessica and Simon are taking on the Ravagers. And I must say, I will vote for the Yondu Ravagers over these bozos any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not even where. They're wearing a little bit of red, but not enough anyway. It's like they, even, even their color schemes don't work for me. So we have a cool splash page of, Je- of Jessica and Simon. I mean, Jessica and Hal, even though they're not doing – they don't look as cool because they're kind of stiff, to be fair. But the Ravagers getting their asses kicked is, is kind of cool. And the Lanterns are like, death to the la- – are being you – know, these guys are being attacked by the Ravagers. Death to the Lanterns. And <clears throat> meanwhile, out in, out in space, Gardner is taking on Eon. They're continuing their fight. Eon keeps you know growing bigger in size. Guy doesn't really care about that. He's not overly impressed. He makes a huge construct. Him. <laughs> oh, guy. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're they're going toe to toe. Kyle and Kilowog are trying to um, basically they're trying to calm the seas as much as they can, and to try to deflect you know the the drilling that's going down into the bottom of the of, this, of the planet. All because they're trying to get to the point where they can rescue or protect you know, the small percentage of the population, which is actually left. Uh, Kilowog, Kilowog, and Kyle kind of figure out the mostly Kilowog that everything's everything that's going on is so well coordinated. There has to be you know one base. There has to be basically a command ship that's really one focal point of the communication. That's go- which is kind of in a way what we just saw with the Dark Stars in a different way. Kind of, like kind of cutting the head off the chicken there. It's like once you dis- once they disrupted their you know like sci- psychic psionic connection that they were kind of like lost. So Kilowog, even though the ring seemingly is trying to maybe not help him as much as he should at one point, you could read into that. But but Kilowog's able to figure out which is which is the the communication flagship. They find out that it's a drone ship, which makes it really easy because they don't have to worry about any kind of guilt or or, or maybe we should uh, we have to be a little careful in destroying it. It's like nope. So they pretty much just destroy the communi- destroy the communication ship. <laughs> All the other ships literally are flying blind at this point because they start smashing smashing into each other. Guy and Eon are duking it out, and Eon has the upper hand on Guy. It seems like it probably would if Guy. I don't know how much more he would have been able to take, but we don't have to worry about it because Eon pretty much is he's reacting to the destruct to the destruction of the communicate communication flagship or the communication headquarters there. Uh, he's telling the rest of the fleet more or less they have to they have to retreat, and even if it means sacrificing the uh, the, com- the overall command ship where Jessica and Simon are, that's Jessica and Hal are, excuse me, that that's necessary because more or less uh, the, the 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 big cheese who's calling all the shots who who is even commanding Eon more or less has bigger plans and more important things for them to do. So while Jessica and Hal duke it out, we we kind of find out that. Uh, that we, we there's a self-destruct mechanism mechanism which is literally counting down like from four seconds to three. It's like run. So, uh, Jessica and Hal get out of there just in the nick of time. Convenient <laughs> as, the, as the command ship self-destructs, and it's like uh, we should track them. And and Kyle's like, yeah, they have to pay. And Jessica actually points out points out that you know there's still people down there. We you know we we owe it. You know we owe it to. The lopes there to go down and save as many people of his as we can. So that's pretty much exactly what what the rest of the lanterns, Guy, Kyle, Hal, Kilowog, and Jessica do. Meanwhile, on Earth, we've uh, Simon communicates with his ring and he keeps asking me for an up asking the ring for an update on what's going on. The ring does tell him accurately that the fellow lanterns prevailed, the Ravagers were defeated, and. He, but when he asks about Mogo and the storms, his ring tells him it's still a problem, but you succeed on Earth and the storms on Mogo will cease. This doesn't really seem to be believable to Simon, but the, his ring just con- continues to say, unknown reason, but there is a connection. All should become clear soon. We, we pass a little polar bear who seems curious about what's going on, and we basically end up at the Fortress of Solitude. Dun, dun, dun. And, you know, Simon's like, uh, I am not breaking into Superman's house, <laughs> even though the ring kind of tells him, like, oh, you, you need to. 
he gets a he gets a very very scattered broken transmission seemingly from Superman saying he needs immediate help. The ring confirms conveniently enough, but you can't say it's inaccurate either. That it can that it confirms that the, you know the voice and the retina analysis matches Superman's. So the name you know uh, the communication this the hologram the broken hologram excuse me mentions Eon and it's like Eon don't worry I'm almost done and we hear good because no matter what. I will be free, and then we get to reveal from inside the Fortress of Solitude, it's Cyborg Superman. Go for it. About which part? <laughs> the reveal, man. It's your boy. But we, the sad part about this is we all we already knew because they fu- they fucked it up with the solicits, so we already knew it was going to be him. We could have mm-hmm. suspected it might have been him. The the interesting part of this is whether. Whether Jurgens knew he was going to be writing the story, which is and which is why he put Superman, Super Cyborg Superman where he did in the position he did when he ended his run in action, or whether somebody asked, or whether that was another editorial decision by DC to do that, or whether he did that on his own because he knew he was com- he was going to get to do a Green Lantern's arc and he wanted to go back and use Cyborg Superman then. But for those who didn't, I think we talked. I'm pretty sure we did talk about this on the show. Uh, when we did our review on action, when we summed up the Mr. Oz stuff and everything that ended uh, Jurgen's run on Action Comics, Cyborg Superman had been stuck in the uh, Phantom Zone after the whole – after he freed Zod and the Superman Revenge Squad kind of thing, and Cyborg Superman got stuck. He got banished to the to the Phantom Zone. Superman pretty much had to change your heart and realize that was kind of an inhumane punishment, and he also believed leaving Cyborg Superman there, Henshaw there, was just going to kind of like further deteriorate his mind and make him even less of a threat. I mean, more of a threat and less likely to ever not be a threat. So what he did was, I forget what, what material he ended up gathering, but he built a cell in the Fortress of Solitude. When he pulled Cyborg Superman out, he had the advantage when Cyborg Superman came out of the Phantom Zone because he was weak and disoriented. And he more or less locked him in the cell, where he was he couldn't escape, but he was like in a like in a hol- like a holodeck in Star Trek Next Generation, where he was just reliving in his mind's eye, or he was basically living all these positive events back when he was Hank Henshaw, not Cyborg Superman. So the idea was that this therapy was <laughs> this therapy ideally was supposed to work over time and over years to more or less kind of like maybe rein in no pun intended. Or maybe pun intended, uh, Hank Henshaw's uh, cyborg Superman ways. But clearly, that did not work because it didn't take very long for him to to be reaching out <laughs> for ways out of uh, his prison. The timeline of all this is very interesting too, because in the first issue we reviewed, it said all this these events take place uh, after Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number fifty. But here, another uh, editorial note says. This takes place before the events of the Man of Steel, which is odd because Greenland, Hal Jordan of the Green Lantern Corps 50 came out way after the the Man of Steel arc ended. So it's a weird timing. And the reason it says that is because it's on the Superman's Fortress of Solitude bubble. And uh, for those of you who don't know, a minor spoiler here. In the uh, Brian Michael Bendis, the Man of Steel miniseries that uh, preceded his run on Superman and Action Comics, uh, the Fortress of Solitude in the Arctic gets destroyed uh, in, in such a way uh, that it – well, not only is it destroyed, um, but uh, Kandor is destroyed as well and all the people in it. Uh, Ragazol uh, kills Kandor essentially, um, but in addition to all that, the fortress is destroyed and broken back down, obviously into that one uh, piece of crystal that was sent with with Kal-El on his journey. So Superman still has the information and all that; it's just all back into its original crystalline, one crystal, Kryptonian crystal form. He takes it. He throws it in the ocean and reconstitutes his fortress of solitude in the ocean on sort of like a floating island sort of thing rather than uh, anything else. And it's actually in the um, Bermuda Triangle now. That's why it says this takes place before the events of the Man of Steel because 
they're depicting Superman's Fortress of Solitude as in the Arctic, whereas anybody currently reading would know it's been relocated down into the uh, the uh, uh, whatever I said. Bermuda <laughs> Triangle, Chad. Yeah, Bermuda Triangle. Have you been keeping up with the uh, Bendis run on? Superman or action I or have, did you read the Man of Steel? Mini? No, I did not read Man of Steel. I am I am hanging on to action, though I am probably not going to be hanging on to it indefinitely. But one never knows. Uh, I dried I dropped Man of Steel back before you know bef- before we even got close to uh, the Bendis thing. So the only one I'm the only one I'm reading now is still action comics though. I, re- I really wish Jurgen stayed on that book longer. But, he was on it for a good little while. Well, it's all relative, I guess, because it's he, he was on it since well, pretty much since the new since the uh, rebirth, since DC Rebirth. That, that right. was his book until right till the end of. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I he, yeah, he definitely was on it for a chunk of change, but I just have strong ties to Jurgen's and Superman and action, action comics and everything related to so. That's just a personal take. All right, what did you think of this issue otherwise? I like this issue, not just because of the reveal. I like the... Uh, I like I liked the way that they're, they're, it becomes a little more clear in this issue about how it, about the puppet... the How they're all puppets, pretty much, to uh, the big bad who we get, you know, obviously is now revealed as Cyborg Superman... That, uh, that even you know, Eon, as powerful as he is and whatever his connection is, he's still like a mere drop in the bucket to uh, to Cyborg Superman. Still, you know, we, we I guess the next issue of of uh, Green Lantern's reveals kind of like, how, I think, how and how maybe. I think it really reveals how Cyborg Superman is able to do what he's doing with the central power battery and, and everything else. Um, which... Yeah, I, I would imagine it's somehow a combination of Eon's powers and his own powers. Since since Eon is supposedly an energy being, so is Cyborg Superman, but Cyborg Superman's more technological, whereas Eon seems more sort of cosmic power. So some com- combination of the two is interfering with the with with the battery and the technology there and the communication systems of the ring. Uh, I'm assuming that they're somehow hacking Mogo's ring to keep uh, Mogo's consciousness and ability to control the planet itself dormant. Uh, I don't know if they're necessarily causing the storm, but maybe just Mogo being offline in general is probably not a good idea. So if he's offline, maybe his his uh, his uh, his the control over his ecosystem and everything. <laughs> the ecosystem, that's what I was looking for. His ecosystem goes haywire. <laughs> but I think I think from something I read, I think it which makes sense too, that I think there's enough mechanical parts basically. There's enough mechanical about a Green Lantern ring that is that is also and maybe and or the central power battery that it probably also is enough for Henshaw to be able to influence it. Because we know he pretty that's part of the reason why you can't get rid of him is because as long as there's any piece of machinery anywhere, he can transfer his essence into it, as we've seen over and over and over again throughout his tenure, even if it was when he was in the apocalyptic version of uh, of Cyborg Superman, which I never liked that look. I hated that look. Hated that look. I'm so glad they went back and gave him uh, the classic look again. But There were some cool stories with that Cyborg Superman, but still uh, – It'll be. It's cool. It, it makes sense. We have not seen Cyborg Superman in the core. But I was thinking about this the other day. When was the last time we saw him really against the core? That was when that that arc with the when he was trying to take over the Alpha Lanterns, wasn't it? When, back uh, when Ganthet was a Green Lantern for that brief period of time. After yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we haven't seen Cyborg. We have not seen Cyborg Superman as a Green Lantern villain in a long time, which of course, like I previously mentioned, part of it was because this version of Cyborg Superman had essentially been kind of like wiped out and pushed off the, the playing field during the New 52. He was only kind of brought back on in in the rebirth, the DC rebirth era. But we know for obvious reasons, there is a, there is a long-standing connection now between not just Hal, which obviously goes back to Coast City, and Cyborg Superman, 
but the relationship between the core and cyborg Superman going back to when he first, you know, with with the lost the lost lanterns, and then you know the the being one of the heralds, uh, you know, of for the Sinestro Corps, uh, stuff like so. There's there's a he's he's got a long you know, there's a long standing relationship there. So I think so you know so that's why it was a perfect like like you mentioned it was that's why it was like it was a perfect marriage that if Jurgens was going to be doing a Green Lantern story even if it turns out that's all it is is one long Green Lantern story it makes sense to bring Cyborg Superman back as a villain because much like Mongol how Mongol was you know Mongol was a, what a Superman villain and he kind of has be- become more probably a Green Lantern villain than a Superman villain over Probably since the uh, the reign of the Superman going forward, that he's been at least as much, if not more, of a Green Lantern villain. Cyborg Superman has kind of been he's he's been more as logically a Superman villain, but he has for a while he was probably he had at least equal footing in both. After the reign of the Superman, he probably at least during the Jeff Johns era, let's put it that way, from the Jeff Johns era of Green Lantern, he probably was more of a Green Lantern villain, I think, than he was even a Superman villain. But he's a cool character, and obviously we are heading towards a Hal Cyborg Superman showdown, which of course who would who would want to see that? <laughs> Likelihood of uh, Eradicator making another appearance no, soon? No, 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 because the, yeah. the, because he's he's too he's too tied to Zod now. Hmm. And remember, it's not really it's not the classic Eradicator. It's but he kind of looks very similar, but. I was, th- I was, you know, in all honesty, I was thinking again because you and I are. I think this more than you, but but since you asked questions about this during the interview, obviously you think about it too. It, it almost would seem like a natural entry for Parallax too, <laughs> because God, because because this Parallax still has to hate Cyborg Superman. <laughs> True. Um, that would be pretty. That would be pretty interesting. But again, if the book if the book was an ending. But that would be that would be cool, but because we don't know, we don't, other than we know the fact that the showdown at the last issue of this is supposed to take place in Coast City between Cyborg Superman and Hal, we don't know much about anything else. But I, I certainly am not going to get my hopes up. But we'll, who the hell knows if we're ever going to see Convergence Parallax again? <laughs> All right. Uh, is there anything else about the this issue or any of the issues we covered we should talk about before we close out? Well, what did you think about? It? You liked the issue? Yeah, it was it was uh, it was interesting. They really upped the uh, the sort of uh, mistrust with all the rings. For a while there, they it almost made it seem like uh, Jessica was the only one that was telling the truth, and then that really that went out the window pretty quickly. Uh, but you know, for a little bit there, I was. Of the opinion, maybe you know, because Jessica said in a prior issue, not in this this story arc, but in a prior issue, you know, I changed my ring from sheer force of will. So like maybe somehow her ring is sort of, uh, you know, not not uh, acceding to the commands of Cyborg Superman, but uh, and everybody else is is the one that's going haywire. But I guess not. Uh, it makes makes me wonder too. Is along those same lines, what about Hal's ring? I was just going to say that because Hal's ring, we have not seen any communic any communication yet. Regardless, well, we have we saw a little bit of it, but he was on on his little vacation there. Uh, so yeah. We, but and again, some of that could have been BS, but some of it it could have. It was hard to tell. None of it, none of it, none of it was obvious. Right, yes, I was like going to say it was, it was written well enough where it could have just been simple ring communication as opposed to be deliberate. You know. Deliberately misguiding him, uh, so. But well, I guess we'll find that out soon. Probably next issue, I guess we'll have a better idea whether the ring is. Uh... But it did keep him from communicating with everybody else. But then again, if if, if that's more because communications are being blocked at the source, being on Mogo, then maybe that has less to do with. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to go ahead and close this out? I reckon so. So I guess we're not going to. Take our bets on Batista, huh? <laughs> we'll do that next episode. No. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it'll, be more, sure. it'll, be, it'll be more appropriate next episode. Yeah. Actually, okay. Uh, so, lanterncast.com is the website. Check out our latest posts and latest episodes there. The voicemail is 708 Lantern, which we haven't gotten a lot of feedback lately. So, people are slacking off again. We need feedback. So, give us some feedback, 708 Lantern. Let us know what you think. The email, lanterncast at gmail.com. We are on. 
So we're on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us a positive review on whichever platform you listen to us on. Obviously, we are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. You can use hashtag GLCast to locate us on those. And I think that's it. That's right. I'm also working on trying to get us on Spotify, folks. So it's entirely possible we could show up uh, at the time you hear this episode. It goes live or between this episode and next episode. But if you're curious, if you if you use Spotify, try and look us up on there. It, it may be there. It may not. But I'm trying to work on it. You're a good man, Chet Bokelman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll talk to you uh, next episode when we do our uh, Avengers Infinity War commentary track. That's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. For sure. Good night, everybody. Good night.